Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I hate wearing contacts. They're the bane of my existence. I wish I could afford some LASIK, but I can't because I have no health insurance. I'm not sure if health insurance covers LASIK. It doesn't? I, I, I don't know. I didn't say it doesn't. I'm I sure said I'm not some sure. I'm sure there's some that do. I'm currently replacing my contact in my eye because I got something foopy in it. Ooh, yeah, it's got some... Something foopy? Some yucky in it. How are we defining foopy? Um, some schmutz, some crap, some shit. Uh, however you want to phrase it to make it not offensive to the people around you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because I'm usually pretty worried about what people think for how I talk. Yeah, I have noticed that. Speaking of, I I got um two. Gr- I heard two jokes that you will very much appreciate. Yay! I I, I heard them both today. Woo! Um, so the first one is, uh, do you know why they call a c- to? C- no, why? Because that's the sound it makes when you kick it. <laughs> Um, and then the other one was, uh, so, you know, a peacock. Let me see your peacock. Cock, right. Cock, but the, the bird. Yes. Do you know what they call a female peacock? A peacock. <laughs> Peacocks are dicks, man. Peacocks are dicks. My favorite port when we were like docking was Cartagena when you, and you've been there. Or Cartagena or however, you, however people pronounce it. Um. And the port there has a bunch of, like, amazing animals in the port. So, like, even if you only have an hour or something, you can get off in the port, get a really good cup of coffee, and see monkeys and all stuff. And there's peacocks everywhere. Male peacocks are just, they are the epitome of male toxicity. (laughs) They are just, like, shaking their asses at you and being like, look at my feathers. And, like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And then they'll start beating the shit out of each other from, like... If there's a female that like comes around the corner, like a female bird, not a female, yeah. but like. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Um, they're not just assholes to people, and they're not just assholes to other peacocks that they see. There is a sculpture garden not far from here, where we are in in oh. Philadelphia. There's a sculpture garden not far from here, and they have peacocks that wander around as like the bird that is sort of pretty and welcomes you to the place. Um, the, the the like the greeting center, the visitor center yeah. has a bunch of um, windows uh, like um, so that you can look out and yeah. and this is where you can like get some snacks and whatever. Yeah. But you can look out and look at the parts of the sculpture garden that are close by. But the bottom like four feet of all the windows are scratched and scraped to hell because the peacocks saw their own reflection and started fighting it and attacked the peacock in the mirror. <laughs> now that that's the name of a novel. The, the peacock, peacock in, in the, the mirror. mirror. <laughs> that's the name or of like a uh, really like emo punk album or something like that. <laughs> the peacock in my mirror. <laughs> I'm scratching the peacock in the, the mirror. mirror. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's funny. What what sculpture garden is that? I don't remember what it's called. I went there. Um, my uh, w- one of my acting classes when I was at Temple. Um, I took a a summer acting class while I was there, and uh, the professor Lynn Innerst took us out to this sculpture garden, and we did scene work. Yeah, like we did uh, cold readings of scenes from Midsummer. I want to say. That makes sense. Um, wandering around this sculpture garden, but then we would also just do sort of whatever, whatever scene work. Sort of if if we walked into a place and we're like, oh, I did this scene from this uh, in in this class. Um, you know the other part. Come on, we're gonna go do this scene yeah. in this space. So yeah. it was a sort of um, found space, found spa- exploration of space kind of scene class. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool. cool. Yeah, and there were 
peacocks that hate themselves and everything and around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded by the super grumpy peacocks. Yeah, they, they're kind of dicks. Yep. Um, so... Whenever there's a guy with, uh, what, what we went and saw Lizzo this week, mm-hmm. um, and Lato was her opening act, and Lato's big big song is B D E or Big Dick Energy. <laughs> Peacocks have big dick energy in all the bad ways. <laughs> yeah, it's they the don't, thing is because it's they it's like the guys who rev their engines really loud or or like you know make loud noises with their cars and stuff is like. You're really trying to have BDE. Right. But all you're proving to me is that your testicles are so small, they are like coming out of your throat. They're, well, they're they're on. Well, and in fairness, as birds, their testicles are on the inside. Well, yes. I think. I don't. Uh, if How I'm, do you know that? If I'm Well, have you ever have you ever seen a bird penis? Um, duck penises. You're talking about duck penises. You're talking about the spiral. I'm, 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 I wasn't, although I know what you're saying. Yes. No, um, no, I was literally <laughs> saying, you notice how when a bird is flying, you can't look up and go, hey, look at that. Well, <laughs> yes, most animals are like that. Dogs right. are like that, too. It's not like I've never seen a dog penis because <laughs> red rocket, red rocket. <laughs> yeah. They just, but they get excited when they, like, see a freaking, like, squirrel. <laughs> like, Dog, dogs are just the in, but dogs are also the opposite of uh, peacock energy. Yes, <laughs> like absolutely. even when they are being like, "I'm the big puppy," they're still just big puppies. <laughs> I am turning on Safe Search right now. Oh God! <laughs> so that I can search <laughs> our bird penises. I'm sure Pe- it depends on the bird. On. The outside. All birds are very different, even though they are all of the same, like, you know, family or, you know, that species. But because, like, ducks have the scariest ween in the world. (laughs) First of all, most birds are made differently to mammals. Males do not have penises. Well, that explains a lot, peacocks. And from the outside, <laughs> male and female birds' sexual equipment looks the same. Oh. Both male and female birds have a cloaca or avian vent. Oh, I did know that. Many, many years ago in biology class. This yes. is an opening just below the tail, which lets sperm, eggs, feces, and urine out. I'm glad it all comes to the same place. So they just have a multifunctional hole. Well, that sounds Which is right. why peacocks have small dick energy, yeah. because what they have is... is They're like, oh, nothing. I shit out of the same thing I produce babies from. <laughs> yeah. Meow. <laughs> Anyway, Hi, how, listeners. How, what the fuck? Where how did you that doing? come from? <laughs> How's your day going? Is it as confused and frantic as the first eight minutes of this episode has been? I'm I kind of hope so. I'm going to negate all that by returning to the coolest thing that happened to us this week, which was seeing Lizzo in concert. That was pretty dope. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Like, Yeah, it was just good. I don't even want to like go into details because it was just... Yeah, it was just, it was it was a great show. If you ever find yourself, dear listener, with a chance to see Lizzo in concert, you should you should yeah. you should because she puts on a great show. It's like going to church um, in the best way without feeling preached at. Yeah. It's real it's, good. It's just it's it's full of love and positive energy, and she's she's yeah. um she's a she's a good performer, and yeah. near as I can tell, a really good person. Yeah. Um, it was, and she can fucking slay a flute. Yeah. (laughs) So check that out if you get the chance. Uh, Also, um, hey, Katie and Mary, if you happen to be listening, it was a lot of fun to see you last week. Yeah, we randomly Uh, ran into two of Ken's friends um, who happened to not only be at the concert, but were in the two sections next to us. So in that huge arena with all those options, we were in 103, 104, 105. Yeah, during during the the act break between Lotto and Lizzo, I got a text from Mary saying, I can see Heather dancing to YMCA. To be clear, Lotto did not sing YMCA. That was was the DJ during during the During the break between, yeah. 
Um, so, uh, let's do a show. Let's do a show, yeah. yeah. So, welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, here on the podcast, every week we take turns uh, cold reading short stories that we have pulled from the obscurity of public domain. Uh, and as we read it, we make penis jokes out of things that were probably really innocent. And as you can imagine, um, based on how the last 10 minutes have gone, this will probably be a penis-filled episode. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we got all our penis energy out. Maybe we got it all out of the way. Yeah, who I knows? We'll find out. We'll find out. Maybe uh, this it depends. Is be it, a butt, a it, butthole. Uh, it'll depend on. Yes. It'll depend on the author. I think. I guess so. This week, Heather has selected a story for me to read, and. I I'm sure it will be delightful, but we've got to wait just a couple of minutes before we get to that. Because first, she's going to share some interesting stuff, I hope. I am. This is actually an author we have read before. Okay. So I'm not going to do the like bibliography of that person. Um, but I'm also not going to tell you who the author is right away. I'm going to tell you the title of the story because it relates to the fun facts. Okay. So, um, I know we have covered this author a couple of times. So Your pants have peacock feathers on them. <laughs> yes, they do. They're, yes! <laughs> See? Synchronicities in life. Fuck. <laughs> Focus, Ken. Focus, Ken. It's okay. Ken's been, Ken, Ken has had a very busy week. Uh, he's been he doing eight shows a week and, you know, also working at Historic Philadelphia. Yeah, I got to go tell a bunch of stories to a bunch of, like, fifth graders tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. Yeah, but we're going to get this in and it'll be fun. (laughs) So the title of the story Mm -hmm. is Let Me Feel Your Pulse. (laughs) That went through a lot of places, and I I was on a roller coaster (laughs) through that whole title right there. Oh, good. Good, good, good. So what I've decided to do, since we have covered this author many times, is for the fun facts, I decided to really dive headfirst into one of our favorite things that comes up often, which is medical practices of the past. Sure. So because the story is entitled, Let Me Feel Your Pulse, Mm -hmm. I was like, and I know for a fact it is a story in the public domain, so it's well over 100 years old. Great. Um, I am covering some interesting medical practices of... Um, within about 200 years ago, like within the past 200 years. Number one, smoking. In now, like we've all heard, like the stories of like the 50s when they were like, sure, nine out of ten doctors recommend Marlboros. Pregnant women, great, good for the baby. But like this goes back to as early as the late 1700s. So tobacco started to arrive on the English shores from the Americas. Mm -hmm. Um, Because while we were about to like be like, no, England, we don't want you, we decided we'd send tobacco their way first. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> um, so along with that came the idea of using tobacco as an enema. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so not not smoking it, just shooting it up your butthole. See, I knew it was going to go to a butthole I place. feel like this is, uh, well, in fairness, you'd already done this research. I did this <laughs> research a week and a half yeah. ago, so I'd actually um, kind of forgotten where this was going. <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of the rules of the internet, right? That if a thing exists, you can find someone putting it up their butt. Well, yes, and I have ER, I have friends who are ER doctors who have absolutely attested that is true. It's like a literally an entire class they go through as ER doctors is things you will find in people's butts. I wonder what's inside my butthole. butthole. Um, but this was uh, doctors suggesting that you put this up your butthole. So sure. as the name suggests, a tobacco smoke enema involves literally blowing smoke up the patient's rectum. <laughs> So I assume that's where the like saying like you're blowing smoke up my ass comes from. I assume. Um, (laughs) Kinky. Kinky. Um, So there was that. And then, of course, then back in the late 19th and early 20th century, when the damaging effects of nicotine weren't yet discovered or widely accepted, it was uh, often used for various ailments, including the most ridiculous of all, asthma. (laughs) And as anyone who has asthma... (laughs) 
because smoking is basically just weightlifting for your lungs. It really is. You know, it's just it's it's like uh, it's like when people were like, I'm just going to go out and get COVID because then my body will be strong against it. It's like, yeah, that's not yeah, how it works, how bro. Work out. All right. So we have nicotine and then we have, of course, number two, heroin. Sure. Initially, heroin was invented during an attempt to produce a drug similar to morphine, but less addictive. How'd that work out? However, <laughs> heroin turned out to be about two times more potent than morphine itself and more addictive. Yep. Uh, it was prescribed for things just as mere as coughs <laughs> to insomnia. <laughs> so... This started in 1898 through 1910. So in my great-grandmother's time, up until she was 10 years old, because my grandmother passed away in 2000 at the age of 100, she could have been, she may have very well been prescribed heroin as in her cough syrup. (laughs) So that was a real thing. Uh, And then the doctors went, ooh, uh, I think we messed up. And as uh, I've been has been brought up a few times while we've been training at Historic Philadelphia. This is why we call it medical practice. They hadn't nailed it down yet. Because we're still just always practicing. (laughs) Number three, methamphetamines. So we talk about the drug war in America. (laughs) It's really... Damn the scientists! No, don't spread that anywhere. Um, So methamphetamine was first synthesized by a Japanese chemist... In 1893. Okay. Um, Now, early on, before the adverse effects of this drug were, you know, discovered, meth was used to treat many ailments, including narcolepsy and our favorite again, asthma, and used as, and this still kind of works, a weight loss drug. Sure, yeah. (laughs) From what I've seen, it also uh, makes your teeth look really pretty. Yeah. (laughs) It's a real upper. It it definitely um, uh, suppresses your appetite. (laughs) Highly don't recommend. And then finally, now there were many, but this one uh, was the the funniest to me, honestly. Um, Number four, Kellogg's cornflakes. J.H. Kellogg. So we all know Kellogg's cornflakes. The man behind this beloved cereal was a full-fledged medical doctor and a health activist. So that's kind of how we know cornflakes. It's like, wake up in the morning. Yay. But another known fact about this doctor, Dr. Kellogg's famous cornflakes were originally creative, created to prevent sexual urges, or more specifically, to inhibit the urge to masturbate. <laughs> Masturbation. Yeah, you have a question? <laughs> You can't say anything. Keskala fuck. Keskala fuck. So, masturbation was considered a huge sin back well, in the 19th century. Well, obviously, because it is. Yes, I mean, goddamn, don't yeah. touch yourself. No, if you touch yourself, damn. you're 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 <laughs> yes. going to hell. We all know Clearly, that. Clearly, yes, yeah. yes, but you know, I'm not. No, I'm not going to go on a tangent right now. <laughs> but this was a huge sin back in the 19th century. Now you That's can what still I talk from to people. Tales. Yes, you can still talk to people who think it's a huge sin, and they're probably horrible humans. Um, Uh, And Kellogg's believed that a healthy diet was the answer to the problem and urges of masturbation. Unfortunately, shocking, Kellogg's flaky idea uh, for an anti-masturbatory breakfast did not provide the desired results, though people decided they liked the the cereal. And guess what? (laughs) We still eat it today. So everyone, next time you eat a bowl of Kellogg's, are you turned on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or next time you're really turned on, go eat, eat a, a bowl, bowl of, of Kellogg's cornflakes. cornflakes and see what it does. <laughs> yeah, that one was whack. Because, like, I'd heard, everyone's heard of the smoking and, like, everyone wow. knows heroin and meth are only street drugs now. They used to be, like, mass produced yeah. for, you know, a purpose. They were prescription drugs. Little did you know that you can go down to your local supermarket and buy... <laughs> An anti-sexual arousal drug that is not a blue pill. All right. Well, I guess that's a sexual arousal. That would be an arousal one, yeah. yeah. But yeah, all right. Cornflakes. So I mean, what I happens? Say what happens? Nuts is the only thing I can think that's less sexy than cornflakes. So <laughs> grape nuts. <laughs> Hang on. 
though, but it's called Grape Nuts. That's pretty funny. What's that? The um, the least it starts sexy with an, cereal. Yeah, it starts starts with an M, and it, it's like oh, muesli, muesli, muesli. Yeah, it's like muesli. oatmeal, but not. Yeah, yeah, muesli is gross. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. What? Uh. What is the? Uh. Those little dry things. Uh. Some of them had powder on top. Uh, shredded, shredded wheat. wheat. Shredded wheat. Shredded wheat's pretty anti-sexy. It's pretty not sexy. Yeah. 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 That was not it. Well, and like oatmeal. I mean, but oatmeal at least is like good for you. Yeah. Cornflakes are not good for you. Well, They're no. Corn. It's corn. <laughs> like, at least oatmeal has some like fiber and some, you know, some benefits to it that are still promoted today De- by actual. Depending on how you make it. Yeah, depending on how you make it. But like cornflakes are just corn and like and carbs yeah. so they're not bad for you but it's well, shredded not wheat food. shredded wheat is yeah. pretty good for you it's super high in fiber <laughs> you know and nothing, nothing turns nothing me on else. nothing turns me on like needing to poop real bad yeah it's basically uh, just would have something to say about that basically just drywall flakes is yeah. all it is yeah so there's your fun facts for the day. Uh, this episode brought to you, you by, by Kellogg's. Kellogg's. <laughs> Yay, our first sponsor. <laughs> Kellogg's Porn Flakes. Whoops. <laughs> you just sprinkle a little Viagra on top of it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is I wonder what would happen if you took Viagra and then ate Corn Flakes. Would you just spend the whole day at half mast? Or you just spend the whole day, like, feeling, like, uneasy. <laughs> like, you feel like a teenager the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm turned on. I'm so confused. I hate my life. I'm turned on. I want to have sex. I don't know what sex is. <laughs> like, teenager. <laughs> but you can't masturbate. Because <laughs> that's a sin. <laughs> but, yes. So, there's your fun facts for the day. Uh, fun facts. Fun facts. And uh, today, as I said, you will be reading a story called Let Me Feel Your Pulse by... Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. Yes. Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. All right. You ready? Let's, let's start, start this fire. Let's start it. Let me feel your pulse <laughs> by Oh, Henry. Oh, I need some cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to a doctor. How long has it been since you took any alcohol into your system? He asked. Turning my head sidewise, I answered, Oh, quite a while. Lies. (laughs) Did you then have to cough? I'm just trying to figure out where in the exam we are. Oh, because he turned his head. Turned his head sideways, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for the cough. He was a young doctor, somewhere between 20 and 40. (laughs) Somewhere not baby and also not elderly. Yeah. I mean, young doctor. Yeah. 20 would be a very young doctor. Would be a very young doctor. (laughs) It's like Doogie Howser style. He wore heliotrope socks, but he looked like Napoleon. (laughs) I liked him immensely. (laughs) Now, he said, I am going to show you the effect of alcohol upon your circulation. I think it was circulation, he said, though it may have been advertising. Because <laughs> those two words sound very those, similar. They sound so similar. Yep. He bared my left arm to the elbow, brought out a bottle of whiskey, and gave me a drink. He began to look more like Napoleon. This is the coolest doctor I've ever seen. <laughs> I began to like him better. <laughs> doctor's just giving shots out of whiskey to his yep. patients? <laughs> Remember, the more you drink, the funnier we get. (laughs) The more I look like Napoleon. (laughs) What? Which is how I rate my doctors. It really is. Is, is, you know, how much do you look like Napoleon? Yeah. 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 It's a, a, uh, there's actually a website for that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, How, how Napoleon, I mean, with uh, Napoleonic Napoleonic doctors. Yeah, there it is. Napoleonic doctors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, it's why I only, it's .gov. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, the the U.S. It's government yes. supports it. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the ACA. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> that explains a lot. 
Thanks, Obama. <laughs> if if you if you have ACA, the only doctors that are covered are short white men. That is fucking true as someone who has <laughs> ACA. And they'll only pay for about 20% of everything that happens. Short white men with vaguely European accents. That's yep, it. That's about right. <laughs> that's not true. I very much support the ACA. Oh, Thank I'm you. super happy about it. <laughs> I just wish it was way better. <laughs> and it Absolutely, would be yeah. if everyone supported it. If everyone supported it, it. Yes. yep. And health insurance companies went to fuck themselves. We tease because we love. Yep. Also, Napoleon was not actually particularly short. He was average height for a Frenchman at the time. Mm -hmm. Their ways of measuring were just weird. (laughs) This is historically true. He definitely had an innie penis, though, like we were talking about. (laughs) He definitely had a peacock complex. (laughs) Then he put a tight compress on my upper arm, stopped my pulse with his fingers, and squeezed a rubber bulb connected with an apparatus on a stand that looked like a thermometer. The mercury jumped up and down without seeming to stop anywhere, but the doctor said it registered 237 or 165 or some such number. (laughs) Either one of those, you're dead. (laughs) You're dead. Yeah. Now, he said, you see what alcohol does to the blood pressure. It's marvelous, I said, but do you think it a sufficient test? Have one on me, and let's try the other arm. Holy shit. The doctor's going to give him another shot of whiskey? I I think. This is the best doctor ever. (laughs) But no. Then he grasped my hand. I thought I was doomed, and he was saying goodbye. But all he wanted to do was jab a needle into the end of a finger and compare the red drop with a lot of 50-cent poker chips that he had fastened to a card. This guy does not sound like a legit doctor. (laughs) It's a hemoglobin test, he explained. The color of your blood is wrong. (laughs) Well, said I, I know it should be blue, but this is a country of mix-ups. Some of my ancestors were cavaliers, or cavaliers, is probably how that would be pronounced because I'm an American, not a Frenchman. I like cavaliers. Cavaliers. That's why his blood's blue, because he's an aristocracy of the French. This is why he's saying my blood should be blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they got thick with some people on Nantucket Island, so... I mean, said the doctor, that the shade of red is too light. Oh, said I. It's a case of matching instead of matches. The doctor then pounded me severely in the region of the chest. Oh, my God. (laughs) Damn, doctor. You feeding him whiskey and poking him and pounding him? Pounding him him severely? Jesus. This is out of hand. You need some Kellogg cornflakes real bad. When he did that, I don't know whether he reminded me most of Napoleon or Battling or Lord Nelson. Then he looked grave and mentioned a string of grievances that the flesh is heir to, mostly ending in itis. I immediately paid him $15 on account. Is or are it or some or any of them... Necessarily fatal? I asked. (laughs) I thought my connection with the matter justified my manifesting a certain amount of interest. All of them, he answered cheerfully, but their progress may be arrested. With care and proper continuous treatment, you may live to be 85 or 90. I began to think of the doctor's bill. 85 would be sufficient, I'm sure, (laughs) was my comment. I paid him $10 more on account. This is some snake oil fucking doctor bullshit like I never heard. The first thing to do, he said with renewed animation, is to find a sanitarium where you will get a complete rest for a while and allow your nerves to get into a better condition. I myself will go with you and select a suitable one. So he took me to a madhouse in the Catskills. Oh my God, it's the place where they go in dirty dancing. Yeah, yeah, which is basically a, a loony bin. I mean, for wealthy, wealthy families from New York City. Yeah. I mean. 
It was on a bare mountain frequented only by infrequent frequenters. You could see nothing but stones and boulders, some patches of snow, and scattered pine trees. The young physician in charge was most agreeable. He gave me a stimulant without applying a compress to the arm. It was luncheon time, and we were invited to partake. There were about twenty inmates at little tables in the dining room. The young physician in charge came to our table and said, It is a custom with our guests not to regard themselves as patients, but merely as tired ladies and gentlemen taking a rest. Whatever slight maladies they may have are never alluded to in conversation. Oh, no. My doctor called loudly to a waitress to bring some phosphoglycerate of lime hash, dog bread, bromo seltzer pancakes, and Nux Vomica tea for my repast. Um, can I, like, skip breakfast? <laughs> that sounds horrible. Then a sound arose like a sudden windstorm among pine trees. It was produced by every guest in the room whispering loudly, Neurasthenia. Except one man with a nose whom I distinctly heard say, Chronic alcoholism. I hope to meet him again. <laughs> We're friends. The physician in charge turned and walked away. Going on. I still have no idea. <laughs> All I know is that a doctor got this guy a little drunk and told him, you need to go on a rest. I'll take you there. And so I assume the doctor's still there. Or did he the just physician drop him off? in charge turned and walked away. Oh, uh, we don't know yet. Okay. An hour or so after luncheon, he conducted us to the workshop, say 50 yards from the house. Thither, the guests had been conducted by the physician in charge's understudy and sponge holder, a man with feet and a blue sweater. He was I'm so, glad he has feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, the earlier man was described as having a nose. Yeah. So, okay. you know. He was so tall that I was not sure he had a face, but the armor packing company would have been delighted with his hands. Here, said the physician in charge, our guests find relaxation from past mental worries by devoting themselves to physical labor, recreation, in reality. There were turning lathes, carpenters' outfits, clay modeling tools, spinning wheels, weaving frames, treadmills, bass drums, enlarged crayon portrait apparatuses, blacksmith forges, and everything seemingly that could interest the paying lunatic guests of the first-rate sanitarium. So they give people that need a rest a giant blacksmith hammer and yep. say, have a good time. Have fun. So, But really what they're basically saying is exercise and art will heal you. Yeah, it's art that's, therapy. That's real. <laughs> the lady making mud pies in the corner, whispered the physician in charge, is no other than Lula Lullington, the authoress of the novel entitled Why Love Loves. What she is doing now is simply to rest her mind after performing that piece of work. I had seen the book. Why doesn't she do it by writing another one instead, I asked. <laughs> as you see, I wasn't as far gone as they thought I was. <laughs> I don't think you're gone at all, dude. <laughs> the gentleman pouring water through the funnel, continued the physician in charge, is a Wall Street broker broken down from overwork. Well, that's that's way too common still. Yeah. <laughs> I buttoned my coat. Others, he pointed out, were architects playing with Noah's arcs, ministers reading Darwin's theory of evolution, lawyers sawing wood, tired-out society ladies talking Ibsen to the blue-sweatered sponge holder, a neurotic millionaire lying asleep on the floor, and a prominent artist drawing a little red wagon round the room. You look pretty strong, said the physician in charge to me. I think the best mental relaxation for you would be throwing small boulders over the mountainside and then bringing them up again. <coughs> I was a hundred yards away before my doctor overtook me. Oh, so he is still there. Yep. yep. 
What's the matter? He asked. The, oh, <laughs> I was a hundred yards away before my doctor overtook me, meaning I started fucking running. You're like, bye! I'm out of this I bitch. The matter is, I said, that there are no aeroplanes handy, so I am going to merrily and hastily jog the footpath way to Yon Station and catch the first unlimited soft coal express back to town. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm good. This was a great idea, but y'all be fucking crazy. But I'm done. <laughs> I've had fun, and this wasn't it. <laughs> this wasn't it. Well, said the doctor, perhaps you are right. This seems hardly a suitable place for you, but what you need is rest, absolute rest and exercise. That night, I went to a hotel in the city and said to the clerk, what I need is absolute rest and exercise. Can you give me a room with one of those tall folding beds in it and a relay of bellboys to work it up and down while I rest? The Murphy bed? I guess. <laughs> Just lifting the Murphy bed yeah. up and down. The clerk rubbed a speck off one of his fingernails and glanced sidewise at a tall man in a white hat sitting in the lobby. That man came over and asked me politely if I had seen the shrubbery at the west entrance. I had not, so he showed it to me and then looked me over. I thought you had him, he said, not unkindly, but I guess you're all right. You'd better go see a doctor, old man. A week afterward, my doctor tested my blood pressure again without the preliminary stimulant. He looked to me a little less like Napoleon, and his socks were a shade of tan that did not appeal to me. What you need, he decided, is sea air and companionship. Oh, that sounds nice. Would a mermaid, I began, but he slipped on his professional manner. I myself, he said, will take you to the Hotel Bonaire off the coast of Long Island and see that you get in good shape. It is a quiet, comfortable resort where you will soon recuperate. Wow, this doctor just really wants a vacation. He just, he's, yeah, he's just looking for excuses to go on vacation. Or maybe he's just whining and dining the narrator. Yeah, maybe he's got a crush on him. Well, he was sticking him with things and giving pounding him a good him pounding. And, yeah, getting him a little drunk. The Hotel Bonaire proved to be a 900-room fashionable hostelry on an island off the main shore. Everybody who did not dress for dinner was shoved into a side dining room and given only a terrapin and champagne table dote. Oh, <laughs> dote. Dote. Something in French that uh, I don't know. See, French, yay. Yeah. The bay was a great stamping ground for wealthy yachtsmen. The Corsair anchored there the day we arrived. I saw Mr. Morgan standing on deck eating a cheese sandwich and gazing longingly at the hotel. Still, it was a very inexpensive place. Nobody could afford to pay their prices. When you went away, you simply left your baggage, stole a skiff, and beat it for the mainland in the night. Holy shit! So it's just a random hostel. That is really expensive that no one actually pays to stay at. So just they leave just, their shit behind and run like, away. pirate commandeer a ship and, like, run back home. <laughs> when I had been there one day, I got a pad of monogrammed telegraph blanks at the clerk's desk and began to wire to all of my friends for getaway money. My doctor and I played one game of croquet on the golf links and went to sleep on the lawn. <laughs> Sounds like a nice vacation. When we got back to town and... Why did the doctor pay for it? Uh, well, I did, when was this written? Doctors might not make a ton of money. Yeah. Well, th this guy... This guy certainly isn't earning much is money. He's not earning much money. <laughs> I think he has one patient and he is just trying to escape yep. with him. When we got back to town, a thought seemed to occur to him suddenly. By the way, he asked, how do you feel? Relieved of very much, I replied. 
Now, a consulting physician is different. He isn't exactly sure whether he is to be paid or not, and this uncertainty ensures you either the most careful or the most careless attention. My doctor took me to see a consulting physician. He made a poor guess and gave me careful attention. I liked him immediately. He put me through some coordination exercises. Oh, good. Is he going to do the thing where you pound on their knee? I, I don't know. Well, that's reflexes, not coordination. Oh, uh, yeah. He's going to make him walk on a straight line oh, oh, like and touch his, his nose. nose and yeah. say the alphabet backwards, which yeah. I can't even fucking do when I'm completely bu- fucking sober and alert. Z, Y, X, W, V, U, T, S, R, Q. This was first published in 1910, by the way. Uh, so, and no, I cannot do that. Uh, so we're with a consulting physician. Okay. Have you a pain in the back of your head? He asked. I told him I had not. Shut your eyes, Let he me ordered. give you one. <laughs> Put your feet close together and jump backward as far as you can. I always was a good backward jumper with my <laughs> eyes shut, so I obeyed. My head struck the edge of the bathroom door, which had been left open and was only three feet away. The doctor was very sorry. He'd overlooked the fact that the door was opened. He closed it. <laughs> now, touch your nose with your right forefinger, he said. Where is it? I asked. On your face, said he. Now, I, I mean my right forefinger, I explained. Oh, excuse me, said he. <laughs> He reopened the bathroom door, and I took my finger out of the crack of it. Oh, Jesus! After I performed the marvelous digito-nasal feat, I said, I do not wish to deceive you as to symptoms, doctor. I really have something like a pain in the back of my head. Shocking. He ignored the symptom and examined my heart carefully with a latest popular air penny-in-the-slot ear trumpet. I felt like a ballad. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now, he said, gallop like a horse for about five minutes round the room. (laughs) I gave the best imitation I could of a disqualified Percheron being led out of Madison Square Garden. Then, without dropping in a penny, he listened to my chest again. No glanders in our family, Doc, I said. The consulting physician held up his forefinger within three inches of my nose. Look at my finger, he commanded. Did you ever try pears, I began, but he went on with his test rapidly. Now, look across the bay, at my finger, across the bay, at my finger, at my finger, across the bay, across the bay, at my finger, across the bay. This for about three minutes. Oh my god. He explained that this was a test of the action of the brain. It seemed easy to me. I never once mistook his finger for the bay. I'll bet that if he had used the phrases gaze as it were unpreoccupied outward or rather laterally in the direction of the horizon underlaid, so to speak, with an adjacent fluid inlet and now returning or rather in a manner withdrawing your attention, bestow it upon my upraised digit, I'll bet, I say, that Henry James himself could have passed the examination. (laughs) After asking me if I had ever had a grand uncle with curvature of the spine or a cousin with swelled ankles, the two doctors retired to the bathroom and sat on the edge of the bathtub for their consultation. I ate an apple and gazed first at my finger, then across the bay. Don't know, don't care. It's ridiculous. The fun facts were absolutely correct. Yep. (laughs) The doctors came out looking grave. More. They looked tombstones and Tennessee papers, please copy. (laughs) They wrote out a diet list, which I was to be restricted. It had everything that I had ever heard of to eat on it except snails. And I never eat a snail unless it overtakes me and bites me first. (laughs) 
You must follow this diet strictly, said the doctors. I'd follow it a mile if I could get one-tenth of what's on it, I answered. Of next importance, they went on, is outdoor air and exercise, and here is a prescription that will be of great benefit to you. It's totally mess. Then all of us took something. They took their hats, and I took my departure. Yeah, get the fuck out of there, dude. I went to the druggist and showed him the prescription. It'll be $2.87 for an ounce bottle, he Jeez, said. Jeez, that's good pricing, man. <laughs> of course, it was 1910. Will you give me a piece of your wrapping cord, said I. I made a hole in the prescription, ran the cord through it, tied it around my neck, and tucked it inside. All of us have a little superstition, and mine runs to a confidence in amulets. <laughs> Of course, there was nothing the matter with me, but I was very ill. I couldn't work, eat, sleep, or bowl. The only way I could get any sympathy was to go without shaving for four days. Even then, somebody would say, Old man, you look as hearty as a pine knot. Been up for a jaunt in the Maine woods, eh? Okay, so this guy has some depression. <laughs> yeah. And he just finds life kind of hard. Um... And the only reason people notice it is because he lets his hair grow out or doesn't Listen, shower doesn't, for a couple doesn't days. Doesn't shave, yeah. That's uh, that's 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 depression, bro. <laughs> then suddenly, I remembered that I must have outdoor air and exercise. So I went down south to John's. John's is an approximate relative by verdict of a preacher standing with a little book in his hands in a bower of chrysanthemums while a hundred thousand people looked on. John has a country house seven miles from Pineville. It is at an altitude and on the Blue Ridge Mountains in a state too dignified to be dragged into this controversy. So, John North is, Carolina? Yeah. John is mica, which is more valuable and clearer than gold. <laughs> he, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. His in-law. Brother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. He met me at Pineville, and we took the trolley car to his home. It is a big, neighborless cottage on a hill surrounded by a hundred mountains. We got off at his little private station where John's family and Amaryllis met and greeted us. Amaryllis looked at me a trifle anxiously. A rabbit came bounding across the hill between us and the house. I threw down my suitcase and pursued it hotfoot. After I had run 20 yards and seen it disappear, I sat down on the grass and wept disconsolately. Oh, no. I can't get a rabbit anymore, I sobbed. I'm of no further use in the world. I may as well be dead. Oh. oh, what is it? What is it, Brother John? I heard Amaryllis say. Nerves a little unstrung, said John in his calm way. Don't worry. Get up, you rabbit chaser, and come on to the house before the biscuits get cold. It was about twilight, and the mountains come up knobbly to Miss Murphy's descriptions of them. I don't know I don't what know who Miss Murphy is, but I'm guessing she wrote a book about the about mountains. About the mountains, yeah. <laughs> Soon after dinner, I announced that I believed I could sleep for a year or two, including legal holidays. So I was shown to a room as big and cool as a flower garden, where there was a bed as broad as a lawn. Soon afterward, the remainder of the household retired, and then there fell upon the land a silence. I had not heard a silence before in years. It was absolute. I raised myself on my elbow and listened to it. Sleep. I thought that if I only could hear a star twinkle or a blade of grass sharpen itself, I could compose myself to rest. I thought once that I had heard a sound like the sail of a cat boat flapping as it veered about in the breeze, but I decided that it was probably only a tack in the carpet. Still, I listened. Suddenly, some belated little bird alighted on the windowsill, and in what he no doubt considered sleepy tones enunciated the noise generally translated as, Cheap! <laughs> 
I leaped into the air. <laughs> hey, what's the matter down there? Called John from his room above mine. Oh, nothing, I answered, except that I accidentally bumped my head against the ceiling. I love that he, like, went to the mountains, and we've all experienced this, I think, especially if you live in the city. You cannot sleep when it's that quiet. Yeah. Like, it, like it's... You get there and you're like, oh, it's so quiet. It's so nice. Wow, my like my brain is. And then like you try and go to sleep, and you have like we run a fan at night. Like yeah. I have to have white noise. Like it, I cannot sleep when it's dead quiet. Yeah. I just cannot. <laughs> I uh, I frankly I feel this way anytime I spend the night at my mom's house. Yeah. In the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah. It's just too peaceful and quiet, it's and too I don't quiet. like. Yeah, it's weird. My parents' house in Iowa. Yeah. It's very quiet. Like, yeah. So, I understand that feeling. The next morning, I went out on the porch and looked at the mountains. There were 47 of them in sight. I shuddered and went into the big hall sitting room of the house, selected Pan Coast's family practice of medicine from the bookcase, and began to read. Don't Google it. <laughs> it's not good, dude. <laughs> What's this bump on my finger and why does it mean cancer? Yeah. <laughs> John came in, took the book away from me, and led me outside. He has a farm of 300 acres furnished with the usual complement of barns, mules, peasantry, and harrows with three front teeth broken off. <laughs> I'd seen such things in my childhood and my heart began to sink. Then John spoke of alfalfa, and I brightened at once. Oh, yes, said I. Wasn't she in the chorus of, let's see, green, you know, said John, and tender, and you plow it under after the first season. Oh, he uh, thought he was talking about a girl named alfalfa. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you plow it, but not like that. <laughs> but not like that. Not like that. I know, said I, and the grass grows over her. <laughs> right, said John. You know something about farming after all. I know something of some farmers, said I, and a sure scythe will mow them down someday. On the way back to the house, a beautiful and inexplicable creature walked across our path. I stopped irresistibly fascinated, gazing at it. John waited patiently, smoking his cigarette. Doctor recommended. Yes. <laughs> He's the Marlboro Man, actually. He is a modern farmer. After ten minutes, he said, Are you going to stand there looking at that chicken all day? Breakfast is nearly ready. A chicken? said I. A white Orpington hen, if you want to be particularizing. A white Orpington hen? I repeated with intense interest. The fowl walked slowly away with graceful dignity, and I followed like a child after the Pied Piper. Five minutes more were allowed me by John, and then he took me by the sleeve and conducted me to breakfast. After I'd been there a week, I began to grow alarmed. I was sleeping and eating well and actually beginning to enjoy life. For a man in my desperate condition, that would never do. So I sneaked down to the trolley car station, took a car for Pineville, and went to see one of the best physicians in town. Oh no, he's such a hypochondriac. Oh, this sweet boy. What is this feeling? So it's all and new. icky and warm and happy. Oh God, I'm happy. I gotta fix this. He's like the Grinch who stole Christmas. <laughs> By this time, I knew exactly what to do when I needed medical treatment. I hung my hat on the back of the chair and said rapidly, Doctor, I have cirrhosis of the heart, indurated arteries, neurasthenia, neuritis, acute indigestion, and convalescence. I am going to live on a strict diet. I shall also take a tepid bath at night and a cold one in the morning. I shall endeavor to be cheerful and fix my mind on pleasant subjects. In the way of drugs, I intend to take phosphorus pill three times a day, preferably after meals, and a tonic composed of tinctures of gentian, cinchona, calisea, and cardamom compound. Into each teaspoonful of this, I shall mix a tincture of Nux Vomica, beginning with one drop and increasing it a drop each day until the maximum dose is reached. I shall drop this with a medicine dropper, which can be procured at a trifling cost at any pharmacy. Good morning. 
Good morning. I took my hat and walked out. After I had closed the door, I remembered something that I had forgotten to say. I opened it again. The doctor had not moved from where he had been sitting, but he gave a slightly nervous start when he saw it was me again. I forgot to mention, said I, that I shall also take absolute rest and exercise. After this consultation, I felt much better. The reestablishing in my mind of the fact that I was hopelessly ill gave me so much satisfaction that I almost became gloomy again. There is nothing more alarming to a neuroasthenic than to feel himself growing well and cheerful. Oh, this poor man. <laughs> John looked after me carefully. After I had evinced so much interest in his white Orpington chicken, he tried his best to divert my mind and was particular to lock his hen house of nights. What's he going to do to the chicken? <laughs> Gradually, the tonic mountain air, the wholesome food, and the daily walks among the hills so alleviated my malady that I became utterly wretched and despondent. I heard of a country doctor who lived in the mountains nearby. I went to see him and told him the whole story. He was a gray-bearded man with clear blue wrinkled eyes and a homemade suit of gray jeans. Yes. In order to save time, I diagnosed my case, touched my nose with my right forefinger, stuck myself below the knee, and made my foot kick. Struck myself below the knee and made my foot kick. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Sounded my chest, stuck out my tongue, and asked him the price of cemetery plots in Pineville. He lit his pipe and looked at me for about three minutes. Brother, he said after a while, you are in a mighty bad way. There's a chance for you to pull through, but it's a mighty slim one. What can it be? I asked eagerly. I have taken uh, arsenic and gold, phosphorus, exercise, nux vomica, hydrotherapeutic baths, rest, excitement, codeine, and aromatic spirits of ammonia. Is there anything left in the pharmacopoeia? Oh, Lord. Somewhere in these mountains, said the doctor, there's a plant growing, a flowering plant that'll cure you, and it's about the only thing that will. It's of a kind that's as old as the world, but of late it's powerful, scarce, and hard to find. You and I will have to hunt it up. I'm not engaged in active practice now. I'm getting along in years, but I'll take your case. You'll have to come every day in the afternoon and help me hunt for this plant till we find it. The city doctors may not the city doctors may know a lot about new scientific things, but they don't know much about the cures that nature carries around in her saddlebags. It's the hippie doctor. Yep. <laughs> he found the eastern doctor. <laughs> it's Ron Dunn. Instead of Ron Swanson, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the other Ron. Yeah. It's the Ron from Eagleton. <laughs> So, every day, the old doctor and I hunted the cure-all plant among the mountains and the valleys of the Blue Ridge. Together, we toiled up steep heights so slippery with fallen autumn leaves that we had to catch every sapling and branch within our reach to save us from falling. We waded through gorges and chasms, breast deep with laurel and ferns. We followed the banks of mountain streams for miles. We wound our way through breaks of pine. Roadside, hillside, riverside, mountainside, we explored in our search for the miraculous plant. This sounds like an awesome hike day. This just yeah. sounds like awesome hiking. <laughs> like, uh, which I won't be surprised if, if it turns out it that that's yeah. the point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As the old doctor said, it must have grown scarce and hard to find, but we followed our quest. Day by day, we plumbed the valleys, scaled the heights, and trampled the plateaus in search of the miraculous plant. Mountain bred, he never seemed to tire. I often reached home too fatigued to do anything except fall into bed and sleep until morning. This we kept up for a month. One evening, after I had returned from a six-mile tramp with the old doctor, Amaryllis, and I took a little walk under the trees near the road, we looked at the mountains, drawing their royal purple robes around them for their night's repose. I'm glad you're well again, she said. 
When you first came, you frightened me. I thought you were really out. I thought you were really ill. Well, again, I almost shrieked. Do you know that I have only one chance in a thousand to live? Amaryllis looked at me in surprise. Why? She said. Y you are as strong as one of the plow mules. You sleep ten or twelve hours every night. You are eating us out of house and home. What more do you want? I tell you, said I, that unless we find the magic, that is, the plant we are looking for in time, nothing can save me. The doctor tells me so. What doctor? Dr. Tatum, the old doctor who lives halfway up Black Oak Mountain. Do you know him? I have known him since I was able to talk. And is that where you go every day? Is it he who takes you on these long walks and climbs that have brought back your health and strength? God bless the old doctor. Just then, the old doctor himself drove slowly down the road in his rickety old buggy. I waved my hand at him and shouted that I would be on hand the next day at the usual time. He stopped his horse and called to Amaryllis to come out to him. They talked for five minutes while I waited. Then the old doctor drove on. When we got to the house, Amaryllis lugged out an encyclopedia and sought a word in it. The doctor said, she told me, that you needn't call anymore as a patient, but he'd be glad to see you any time as a friend. And then he told me to look up my name in the encyclopedia and tell you what it means. It seems to be the name of a genus of flowering plants. It is also the name of a country girl in Theocritus and Virgil. What do you suppose the doctor meant by that? I know what he meant, said I. I know now. A word to a brother who may have come under a spell of the unique Lady Neurasthenia. The formula was true, even though gropingly at times the physicians of the walled cities had put their fingers upon a specific medicament. And so, for the exercise, one is referred to good Dr. Tatum on Black Oak Mountain. Take the road to your right at the Methodist Meeting House on the Pine Grove. Absolute rest and exercise. What rest more remedial than to sit with Amaryllis in the shade and with a sixth sense read the wordless Theocritan idol of the gold-bannered blue mountains marching orderly into the dormitories of the night. The End Aww. That was lovely. That was a sweet story. That did not go where I thought it was going to go. I didn't no. know where that was going, honestly. That was really, like... That was, that was good. Sometimes... What you need is to get away. Sometimes what you need is to get out of your own head. Yeah. Sometimes what you need is something else to focus on other than your own problems. Like, and it, it's, To it's, be clear, listeners, we are not saying no. that medication... I also take medication. <laughs> um, P.S. Yeah. Is not useful. No. No, no, Absolutely not. No, okay, this whole, like, yeah, I don't want... I'm not, con I'm not um, condoning the idea of... Exercise oh, all, and all you good need to be healthy is, is exercise. No, 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 no. Is very helpful. <laughs> if, I always feel a little better when I eat real food instead of McDonald's. Absolutely, and, and there and exercise releases endorphins in your body. It does make you feel better, but and it is not and, a cure for anything. And like you could be on great medication, but sometimes you still start spinning, and what you need is something to get yeah. away. Like, yep. like. Regular exercise is going to make your body healthier, which is going to help your mental health. Yeah. Mental like health it's, and like physical health are tied. Yeah. Like, cause your mental health can drive your physical and vice versa. So like, I'm not claiming to be a doctor here. I don't think any of the people in that story were doctors. Certainly not good ones. Not good <laughs> ones, except for the last one. He was the last pretty, guy, yeah. He was just a cool guy in the mountains. Uh, well, and he's he very much aware, like it's, it's actually really interesting that they, these, the, when, when did you say it was written? 1910? 
so 113 years yeah. ago so relevant. he's figuring out that that like yeah there is a correlation between physical health and mental health yeah um and that's still very true yeah still very true there is correlation um and when you have a friend or a loved one yeah. to sit and talk with like that 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 does tend to like bring out something in you that you don't get when you're yeah. alone you like he was there with amaryllis suddenly he had company, company. of someone he loved and yeah. that helped his and that mental and emotional connection helped his physical health mm-hmm. and going out on the hikes and getting that physical activity and helped his mental head. health and yeah it's just yeah gave him something to focus yeah. on suddenly he had a um uh, a journey, a yeah. quest, a goal. Well, and it felt it felt very um, what what we all get kind of sucked into now is like the whole social media doom scrolling, mm-hmm. or like on news channels. Or here are all like, the things that are wrong, and here are all the things that I need to do to try to fix it. So everybody just everybody else is happy. Why re- am I reinforce, not happy? So reinforce yeah. for me that this is what's wrong. Reinforce yeah. for me this is what I'm seeing. Reinforce, reinforce. Or yeah. Why am I not? Yeah. It, it's like yeah. That that this was so like um. This was so, um, what, uh, timely, timely, like, yeah. Or like timeless, really. Like, yeah. Like th- again, this is 120 some years 113 ago, years 113 years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And I, that could have been written yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I looked up the date in the middle of the story. Cause I'm like, when was this written? I mean, Oh, Henry is old. Like it's, mm-hmm. this is definitely in public domain. Cause I remember when I was looking it up, it was in a collection that I knew was, like well before the public domain date, but I was like, this feels too current. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was good. Um, hey listeners, did you enjoy that one? I mean, Oh Henry usually goes over pretty well. Yeah, it's that, tough that not was to a enjoy different him. Style than he, he is sometimes, yeah. but yeah, I liked it. That was good. That was good. That's fun one. I, um, I want to go find some amaryllis in the mountains. <laughs> Uh, so let us know what you thought about that episode. Um, if you feel like sharing a story of getting out of your own way through exercise, getting out of your brain or whatever, we'd be happy to hear that. Certainly. Um, I just go look at the ocean. That's a big thing for me. Anytime yeah. I'm by the ocean, I just immediately like yeah. feel lighter, feel breath. Um, so feel free to write in when you do, uh, write in, uh, to 50, 50 hours production at gmail.com or any of our social medias. Just look for campfire classics podcast on Facebook, Insta, and all of those other things. And, uh, use this week's secret passphrase, which is cloaca. <laughs> cloaca. Yeah. It's what peacocks have instead yes, of penises. Yes. <laughs> or if you can't remember cloaca and don't know how to spell it, just be like peacock dick. Yeah, that'll work too. Or peacock cock. <laughs> Let me see your peacock cock cock. Your peacock. Just cock, peacock cock. with a space. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. You got anything? That's all I got, boo boo. All right. Well, in that case, hey, thanks for listening. And until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. The hills are alive with the sound. I thought it was going to go, if I may. Yes, please.